There's a man who tells us something that happened to him when he was just 12 years old, and, and that event impacted him so significantly. It is seared into his memory. This is what he writes. I was just 12 when the Boy Scout troop planned a father-son campout. I was thrilled and could hardly wait to rush home and give my dad all the information. I wanted so much to share with my dad all that I had learned in Scouts, and I was proud when my dad said he would go with me. The Friday night of the campout finally came. I had all my gear on the porch, and I sat next to all my stuff and was ready to put it in his car the moment he arrived as we were supposed to meet at the local school at 5 o'clock and carpool to the campground. I sat on the porch and 5 o'clock came. Then 6 o'clock. Then 7 o'clock and still no dad. Finally at 7.30 he pulled into the driveway. I was frantic. But he told me that things had gone wrong at work and not to worry as we would get up the next morning and meet the others at the campsite. After all, we had a map, and that would show us how to get out there. I was disappointed, of course, but I decided to make the best of it. First thing in the morning, I was up, and I had everything loaded in the car while it was still dark outside. As the light came up, I was all ready to catch up with my friends and their fathers at the campground. My father said we would leave that morning around 7 o'clock a.m., but he didn't get up until 9.30. When he saw me standing outside with the camping gear, he explained that he had a bad back and he just couldn't sleep on the ground. He hoped I would understand and that I would be a big boy about it. And could I please get my things out of the back of his car? He had several commitments that he had to keep that day. Just about the hardest thing I have ever done was to go to the car and take out my sleeping bag and cooking stove and pup tent and all my camping supplies. And then while I was putting my stuff in the garage and he thought I was out of sight, I watched my father put his golf clubs into the trunk of his car and drive away to keep his, quote, commitment. That's when I realized that my dad never meant to go with me to the campout. He just didn't have the guts to tell me. Folks, how do you recalibrate the shattered heart of a child as a result of broken promises by a dad? You know, we live in a world today where so many people break faith with one another by being promise breakers instead of promise keepers. But the good news of the gospel for us today is that our heavenly father is always a promise keeper. Whenever God makes a promise, whenever he makes a pledge, we can know that he is going to keep that promise. Now, now the Bible talks about some of God's promises that are made in, in what is called a, a covenant. And a covenant is a sacred agreement. It, it's a mutual pledge between two people or parties who are in relationship with each other or are going to be in relationship together. And, and Malachi, in his little book that he writes to God's people a little over 400 years before Jesus is born in Bethlehem, talks about the covenant that God makes with his people. And as he does that, here in chapter 2, he, he talks about this covenant in order to talk with people about relational excellence. 
Now remember, as we saw last week and said that, that in sending Malachi, whose name in Hebrew literally means my messenger, God is sending his messenger to his people with one purpose in mind. And God's purpose is to reestablish the standards of, of excellence amongst God's people. For you see, in Malachi's day, God's people were spiritually heading in the wrong direction. Their, their spiritual commitments, their marriage and family relationships, their money management, their morals were all heading in the wrong direction. And so God sends this, this courageous and, and as we're finding out, pretty straight-talking guy named Malachi to be his messenger. And Malachi challenges God's people to live up to God's standards in the way they live their life. Well, last week, we looked at chapter 1 and we learned about what it means to live up to God's standards spiritually in our relationship with him. And today in chapter 2, Malachi addresses God's standards when it comes to our relationships with other people. And as we're going to see again this morning, God's standards are, are pretty high. I mean, he wants us to be a promise-keeping people because at the heart of relational excellence isn't just promise-making, but there is also promise keeping. In other words, honoring our word, honoring those sacred pledges and commitments, those vows we make with others, our, our covenant, that those declarations that we make in relationship with others that are from our heart and from our soul. You see, a covenant, Malachi says, is at the heart of, of relationships with others, just as it's at the heart of God's relationship with you and with me. And so relational excellence happens when you and I keep faith with one another, when we honor our word, when we honor our commitment and our trust with others. And when we look at how God operates in his relationship with us, we see that, that he sets the standards of relational excellence uh, with us, doesn't he? I mean, our God is a covenant-making and covenant-keeping God. He honors his word. When he says something... He does it. And we see examples of this, don't we, all throughout the scriptures. We, we see God's covenants that he makes with his people. We see the, that all through the story of scriptures, which really is the story of God's relationship with his people. In the beginning, the Bible tells us that, that, that God created human beings. And why did he do that? Well, he wanted to do that because he wanted to love us. He, he wanted to pursue a personal relationship with us. You see, God's greatest desire is that, that we enter into relationship with him. And that as we do, we perceive and we sense and we feel his overwhelming and his awesome love. And we reciprocate that. We, we truly then love him back. We, we get to know him in a personal relationship. And so wanting a love-filled relationship with people, God makes a, a covenant with his human family with, with human beings right from the very beginning. As God promises to give human beings life and breath and food and, and meaningful work and relational intimacy with him. In other words, he's going to care for us. He's, he's going to love us. He, he's going to enter into a personal relationship with us. And what does he ask from us in return? Well, he asks from us uh, uh, to love him back. To, to have a relationship with him, to care about him, to commit our lives to him. And, and God says that, that, that he is wanting us to do that. And, and, and we see very early on in the story, don't we? We don't have to read very far in, into the book of Genesis before we see 
people sinning and breaking faith with God and, and not living up to their end of the agreement with God. And, and in fact, God's people begin to turn their, turn their back on their relationship with him. And when they do, how does he respond? Does God then turn his back on us, his disobedient children? No. No, instead of walking away from his people who he's created, he, he pursues reconciliation. He, he continues to love us. He continues to keep his promise to us. He continues to pursue that relationship he has with his people. But as we read through the story, we see that human beings don't get any more faithful, do they? As, as the Bible says that God's human family continues to become more corrupt and more sinful and, and more violent. And, and a little later on, we see a few chapters later in Genesis that, that God sends a flood to stop all the evil and sin in the world. However, there was this one guy who, who followed God and, and who loved God and wanted a relationship with him. And so God saves this guy, and his name is Noah, and God saves Noah and his family. And after the flood, uh, God comes to Noah and he says, Noah, I want to be in relationship with you. And I want to be in relationship with your descendants. And, and as a promise and as a sign of my love for you and my relationship with you and your relationship with me. And as a sign and a promise that never again am I going to send a flood that will destroy the earth. The sign of this covenant that I'm making between you and me is a rainbow. And I got to believe that when Noah looked at that rainbow, he said, cool, <laughs> cool. And God said, Noah, I've set my rainbow in the clouds, and whenever I see it, I will remember my covenant, my promise, and I will honor my word to you. Well, what happens? We, we know from reading the story that the human race is slow to learn, and, and they once again become corrupt and sinful and violent, and, and they turn their backs on God, and yet God remembers his promise. And he refuses to give up on a relationship with his people. And so he comes to this very old man by the name of Abram, with whom God has a relationship. And he says, Abram, I'm going to make a covenant with you, a promise, because I still want a relationship with my people. And you're going to be called Abraham, the father of many people. And, and through you, Abraham, and through your people, I'm going to bless the world. And and what Abraham doesn't know is that through his descendants, God is one day going to send his own son, Jesus Christ, into the world. But Abraham doesn't have any children. And so he wonders, how's this going to happen? And God says, Abraham, I know it's hard to believe because you're 99 years old and your wife Sarah is 89 years old. But believe it or not, the two of you are going to have a baby. You won't have a single tooth between the three of you. You're going to be the only family at the store buying both Pampers and Depends, you know. Abraham, you're going to be a father of a great nation. And as a sign of this promise that I love you and that I want a relationship with you, and as a sign of the covenant I'm making with you, the sign is going to be circumcision. And I got to believe that Abraham, if he didn't say it, was at least thinking, hey, how come Noah got a rainbow, you know. I'd rather have a rainbow, God, you know. If not a rainbow, couldn't we make it something else? Yeah. Now, obviously, I don't know if that is what Abraham really said. But, but folks, our promise-making, promise-keeping God continues to be faithful in his relationship with us, even when we as human beings rebel. And again, a little later on in the story, he makes a covenant with Moses and, and with the people of Israel. And he says, I will be your God. 
and you will be my people. And as a sign of that covenant, he, he writes his law on the tablets and they place the tablets in the Ark of the Covenant. And, and every time the people saw those, they remembered the promise that God had made to them. And yet in spite of it all, human beings still weren't faithful to God, but rebellious and, and we sin again and again. And because God doesn't give up on his promise, he eventually sends his son Jesus into the world so that on that first Christmas morning. And, and he eventually sends his son to the cross so that he could pay the consequences of your sin and mine. And we could have our relationship with God restored that was broken by our sin. Friends, God is faithful to his promise and commitment to love us. And he offers us his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness and an eternal relationship with him. You see, God, through Jesus, is saying to you and to me today, I love you no matter what. I love you no matter what. You see, God is not only a promise-making God, he is a promise-keeping God. God is unswervingly faithful, even though we as his people at times become notorious promise-breakers. I mean, think about it. We get in trouble. And what happens? We realize what we've done and we repent and we promise to reform. And then when the pain of the consequences of what we've done, of our sin goes away, and when the consequences for the trouble we've caused go away, what do we do? We turn around, we forget the promises we've made to God, and we break our word and we sin again. And we do that over and over and over again. And even when we do that, God never slips one degree south from total trustworthiness because you see god is simply incapable of bad faith god is completely faithful god sets the standards when it comes to commitment in relationships he sets the standard for relational excellence and as a result malachi this morning says hey this has some serious implications for you and for me because as god's people we're called to be like god and now in this new testament era you and i are called to be like jesus christ and in chapter 2, verse 10, Malachi offers to us today this, the, the core statement that he would make about relational excellence and keeping covenants that we make with others when he says this. Are we not all children of the same father? Are we not all created by the same God? Then why are we faithless to each other, violating the covenant of our ancestors? You see, Malachi is asking the question, why is it that you and I break covenant that we have with others, break faith with them by, by not keeping the commitments that we've made in our relationships? And then he goes on in this chapter and a little bit in chapter three to talk about, about some examples. And, and we're going to look at a couple of these this week and, and another one next week. And and the first relationship that, that Malachi talks about here in chapter 2 is when he talks about the priests who, who break faith with the people of God that they are supposed to be leading spiritually. You see, priests had made a promise to be spiritual guides to those who needed spiritual guidance. But they've broken the promise to do that. And they've led people astray by their teaching and by their lives that they're living that, that aren't honoring God in, in the way they live. And, and you know how seriously God takes this? 
covenant breaking? I mean, look at what Malachi says when, when he talks about the priests who, who, who simply go through the motion of worship and religious faith. When in reality, they are breaking covenant with the people by failing to keep their commitment to them in their example. Look at Malachi 2, verses 1 through 9 with me. Listen, you priests, this command is for you. Listen to me and take it to heart. Honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, or I will bring a terrible curse against you. I will curse even the blessings you receive. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you have not taken my warning seriously. And this is where God gets pretty graphic when he says, I will rebuke your descendants. And splatter your faces with the dung of your festival sacrifices. And I will add you to the dung heap. And then at last you will know it was I who sent you this warning. So that my covenant with the Levites may continue, says the Lord Almighty. The purpose of my covenant with the Levites was to bring life and peace. And this is what I gave them. And this called for reverence from them. And they greatly revered me and stood in awe of my name. They passed on to the people all the truth they received from me. They did not lie or cheat. They walked with me, living good and righteous lives. And they turned many from lives of sin. The priest's lips should guard knowledge and, and people should go to them for instruction. For the priests are the messengers of the Lord Almighty. But not you. He says, you have left God's paths. Your guidance has caused many to stumble into sin. You've corrupted the, the covenant I made with the Levites, says the Lord Almighty. So I have made you despised and humiliated in the eyes of all people. For you have not obeyed me, but you have shown partiality in your interpretation of the law. I don't know about you, but, but I read this thing. I go, wow. Those are some pretty strong words from God through his messenger, Malachi. And, and the message reveals just how serious God is about the standards that he wants his people to live by in keeping the promises that they've made, in keeping their commitment to pass on God's word and God's way of living to those to whom and for whom they are spiritually responsible. Now, now, as I read this, I got to say, this is certainly a, a word for pastors today, for priests today. And, and I got to say to you, honestly, this causes me, when I read this stuff, it, it caused me to sit up and, and, and begin to examine my own life and, and ask, Lord, am I honoring you truly with the way I live my life? Is my life a godly example to others? And this causes me to, to be diligent in, in the role of teaching that, that God has given me uh, so that I make sure it's not just my words in, in my mouth, but, but is this really God's word rather than just my interpretation of God's word? And, and as this applies to us as pastors, I believe it also applies to any of us who are here today, who are called to to give spiritual guidance to others by our words and, and by the lives that we live to those who need that spiritual guidance. 
And so in a very important way, this stuff not only applies to me as a pastor, but it applies to all of us as parents and grandparents. Or it applies to all of us who are the spiritual aunts and the spiritual uncles of the children in our church and in our community. For you see, like the priests of old had a responsibility for for the people they were in relationship with who needed spiritual guidance, we too have a responsibility to the children who God has placed in our physical and emotional and spiritual care. And, And so when it comes to our kids, we not only teach them by our words, we also teach them, don't we, by our example, by by the lives that we live. We teach them the message that God wants us to teach them, hopefully, because I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I look at my own life and at times I found in my life that, that, that the way I live my life can mute the message of my words when my life gets in the way. And when that happens, when, when my life doesn't match my words, I'm not only breaking the pastor people covenant that I have with this church family, but, but I'm also breaking the daddy covenant that I have with my children. You see, folks, by, by virtue of having a child, uh, we have made a covenant with that child who we are bringing into the world. We've made an agreement with them to be in relationship with them. And when we dedicate children here at church or when we baptize our children here at church, then we as parents and we as the spiritual aunts and uncles of those kids make a promise to them. And so there's a covenant involved here, isn't there? A sacred commitment, a sacred pledge. As children come with this little promise attached to them and it's supposed to be filled by parents and it's supposed to be filled by us as their church family. I don't know about you, I look at my own life and I realize, hey, I I fall short at times. And and, and because the Bible says all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, I got to figure, probably every one of us here, at some point or another, have fallen short. And and I want to say to you, honestly, I I am not proud of how at times my my life hasn't measured up to my words and, and my children haven't always seen a godly father in action. And I'm not proud of the times when I've let lesser important things get in in the way of my relationship with my children. But I've got to say that, that to all of us, myself included, all of us who are here, who have fallen short at times, God is saying through his word, I give you my love and my grace and my forgiveness and my mercy. And I give you the power of my Holy Spirit So that with God's help, as you grow in your relationship with me personally, more and more, each and every day and each and every year, I can fill your life with my power. So that you can fill the hearts of the children under your care with life and love so they can blossom and they can flourish in the unique ways that God has created them to do so. So that you can let your kids know to the core of their being that they are loved rather than being parents and spiritual aunts and uncles who are hurried and preoccupied or maybe just at times a bit lazy or who seem to at times be blind to their needs because we're all wrapped up in what we are doing. 
And God is saying through his grace to us today that if we will, will allow his Holy Spirit to work in our lives, then we can have a relationship with our kids that says, I'll be there for you no matter what. I will love you no matter what. I'll equip you for life as I'll feed you and I'll read to you and I'll teach you about friends and about work and about life and I'll teach you what I know about men and women and relationships between them and about what's right and wrong in those relationships and I'll teach you about money and most of all, I'll teach you about a relationship with God and when the time comes for you to go, I'll let you go. No strings attached. And I will do this whether you are genetically gifted or genetically challenged. Whether other people in the world think of you as a shining star or as a plotter. You know, maybe, folks, your child is, is one of the brightest and the best and, and they get wonderful grades and, and maybe they'll embark on, on a successful career and they will make you look like a genius. <laughs> Or maybe, just maybe, some of you will have children with special needs. Or maybe your child will struggle and, and, and go through depression and reject your values and defy your God. And maybe they will even run away from your home. We had a child who struggled for a very long time. And I have to tell you, it was a long and a painful journey. But you know, when we enter parenthood and when we enter into that relationship with our kids in this church as their spiritual aunt and uncle, we take on a no matter what clause. And that is why this covenant is so close to the covenant that God has with us who are his children. Because it's one that never ends. It never ends. No matter what. So I ask you, as God has asked me this week, how are you doing with your promise? See, God is challenging you and me today to, to raise the bar of our relationships, to pursue God's standards in covenant keeping, to honor our commitment, to honor our word with those for whom and to whom. You and I are spiritually responsible. Before we go on and take a moment to talk about one other relationship this morning, I want to I pause for a moment today. Because I realize that today is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, and I realize that one out of every three women in our nation have experienced an abortion. And I want to say today, before we move on in this message, that if you are here today as one who is wrestling with that decision you made a while ago or maybe even long ago and you're struggling with inner guilt or, or the shame of that decision or maybe you're a guy who's here today that's wrestling with, with the guilt of having encouraged someone to get an abortion. Maybe as you've heard these words today from Malachi, you sense that you have broken your covenant with that child. I want to say to you today that if you have, there is forgiveness, there is grace, there is mercy and redemption and freedom from that guilt. And we saw that in the video this morning. So if you're one who's here today that 
is listening to my voice and, and you made that decision in your past and you now have regret for having made that, I, I want to encourage you. Today after the service, stop by the Ministry Information Center and pick up a brochure from the PSA that has their number on it. Sometime this week, give them a call. They have women there and they have men there who are there to be of help to you. God is gracious. God loves you. And He is pursuing a relationship with you where He wants to forgive you and give you His peace. So having this morning talked about this covenant relationship with our kids and that Malachi speaks of, there's a second covenant relationship that I believe Malachi's words apply to us in, and, and that is the friendship covenant. But you see, in life, in the Christian life, it's not meant to be lived alone, is it? It's not meant to be lived alone and apart from those who are spiritually responsible for each other in the family of Christ as brothers and sisters. I don't know if you know this, but in the New Testament, there are 58 times when God offers to us a one another command. Commands that he gives us that tell us how to relate to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Few of them are serve one another, accept one another, forgive one another, greet one another, bear one another's burdens, honor one another, teach one another, submit to one another, encourage one another. And, and we can't do these things, can we, unless we're in relationship with other people. You know, I, I think that friend is one of the greatest words in the English language and while not every friendship is going to be a forever friendship, in my experience, sometimes friendships end as, as people move away and, and we lose contact with friends. But wherever it is and for whatever season of life, where it is that we are, we need relationships. We need people to, to come alongside us, to come alongside us and encourage us and help us live the Christian life and faith. You know, as a pastor, we've moved from time to time. And, and in every congregation we've been in, there have been men who, who've come alongside and, and, and who've built into my life and, and, and who have allowed me to build into their life. And, and I've lost some contact with some of those guys. But, but I want to say to you that there are a couple of guys who are still closer to me than any other man in my life. And they are closer to me even though they live on opposite ends of the country. One lives outside of Seattle, Washington, and the other lives in Connecticut. And I wish I had time this morning to tell you about these guys and, and to tell you who they are and, and a little bit about them. But, but, but I just got enough time to simply say there isn't anything that, that those guys and I can't talk about and pray about with each other. We encourage each other and we help each other, and we hold one another accountable in our walk with God and in our marriages and in our parenting. And you know, there are some promises that we've made with each other. We promise loyalty to one another. We promise that we would never betray our trust or violate our confidence. And there's that truth promise we've made to one another. And I know that, that if either of those guys ever have a concern about me, I'm never going to hear about it from a third party. They will come to me directly and talk to me about what their concern is about my life. And then there's that caring promise. 
as over the years when each of us struggled with a child who, who was giving us a run for our money, we could pick up the phone and we could talk with each other and we could help each other through those times and pray with one another. And when we were going through other tough times in life, all we have to do is, is pick up the phone and we'll be there for each other. And if needed, and it did happen once, we know that each other would be immediately on a plane and get there if we had to for the other. And a few years ago, we talked about how life is moving along so fast. And so we committed ourselves to get together every year for a few days to a week and spend time together, just the two of us. And those guys and I have kept that commitment over the last four years. And when I get to the end of my life, I know that one of the greatest sources of joy that will be in my life is going to be and will have been these two guys. My friend John and my brother Keith, who isn't actually a blood brother, but's as close as any brother could be. And you know, if Malachi was here today, he would ask us, how are we doing with the friendship covenant? How are we doing with our promise of loyalty and our promise of truth and our promise of caring for one another and helping each other with accountability? You know, as I, I think about these covenants, the ones that we've talked about today and and the marriage covenant that we're going to talk about next week, I, I, I think about those words of Malachi 2.10, where Malachi says, hey, let's not be faithless, but rather let's be faithful and not violate, not break faith with those we are in covenant with. You know, I, I just imagine what would happen around here if every one of us committed to becoming a first-class covenant keeper? Imagine what kind of children we would raise if every parent and every spiritual aunt and uncle, day in and day out, was a covenant-keeping mom, a covenant-keeping dad, a covenant-keeping spiritual aunt and uncle. Imagine how deep the friendships would go around here if all of them were marked by loyalty, caring, and truth. Imagine how God would be honored in this community if it became common knowledge that when you deal with a Christ follower, all you really need from them is their word. And so Malachi is asking us today, will we dare let God set the standard for our relational life? Will we become covenant keepers? Will you? Will I? Let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you are a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. That you love us. That you pursue a relationship with us no matter how many times we blow it. You offer us forgiveness and grace. And so, God, I ask that you would help me and help everybody here who is aware of areas in our life where we have broken faith with someone, 
and who we have some healing work with that, that needs to get done. God, help us to have the courage and the character to do that. Help us, Lord, to be people who honor covenant in, in our relationships with others in the way that you honor covenant in your relationship with us because great is your faithfulness. We ask this, O oh God, today in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all God's people in agreement said,